Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. But the issue for me is that nothing the Saints did this year uh, suggested that they were giving themselves patience uh, nor asking for it. You know, you don't trade your first round pick. Uh, to get another impact player and, and then say, well, we need, hey, we need some patience here. We, just kind of hang with us and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be competitive in, in January. Um, you know, you don't shuffle around like $55 million in salary cap resources and then say, well, hang on, we need, we need to be patient here and you know, hopefully we'll have it together by the end of the season. How should Saints fans feel about the team being eliminated from playoff contention with one week to go in the regular season? Should fans find any solace in the fact that the team could end the regular season on a four-game winning streak? We have some thoughts on that as we reflect a little bit on the 2022 season and look ahead. First and foremost, our thoughts are with Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin, the family of DeMar Hamlin, the Bills organization, the Bengals organization. And with that being said, it's the Saints Wire podcast. Welcome to the show. Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by John Sigler, the managing editor of USA Today's Saints Wire. John, happy new year, my man. I hope you and the family are well. Thank you very much, Ryan. Yeah, we're, we're, we're doing well here and enjoyed some time during the holidays. Now we're getting back into it and uh, just looking to keep it going here as we get into week 18. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, we're going to be talking about the Saints season coming to an end, either a painful or merciful end, however you want to look at it as a fan. Plenty to get to on the show, and it's going to be a normal show, even though this is far from a normal week in the NFL. Uh, it was just a horrifying scene on Monday night. Uh, I don't know how else to to describe it. I mean, I'm, I think the NFL did a pretty good job not only having the personnel in place uh, you know, to revive <laughs> Damar Hamlin on the field and potentially save his life and get him to the yeah. hospital quickly. And, you know, I thought canceling the game is, you know, ending the game like that after an injury is just not something that usually happens, right? The games usually go on. Uh, that game stops there. They have already said they're not going to resume it this week. I think the NFL's handled it pretty well, as well as they could. And, and now I think, you know, we're just all doing what the entire NFL world is doing. It's just like com- continuing to refresh Twitter or whatever social media, wherever you get your news, just keep refreshing it, trying to get uh, a positive update on his recovery, right? We're just hoping to see that tweet or that that report that Tamar Hamlin's like alert and stable condition and all that, right? And he's waking up and, and all that. I mean, I think that's that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, certainly our thoughts are with him and his family. We're sending all the positive energy that we can. And, and you know, it's it's been really inspiring to see people rallying to um, – you know, do, donate money to this, uh, just out of lack of anything to do, do donating money to this uh, toy drive he started in college. And that's just exploded. And that, that's going to make so many positive uh, impacts on so many people o- over the years. And you, you, you just really hope for the best for, for, for the guy. I, I mean, he, he's it's just, it's just tragic. I mean, he's 24. He, he got, I mean, gosh, he, he's six years younger than me. And when I was 24, I didn't even know that I could die. <laughs> like, like it's just not something you think about. And it, it, it's just been so impactful. And it, it's, it's just been such a, 
you know, almost like a world stopping event here in NFL circles. And that's something uh, Dennis Allen talked about uh, here at his press conference on Wednesday is that, you know, they, they have players on this team who played with Hamlin in college. I wanted this tight end, uh, Lucas Kroll. He played with him at Pitt to get together. And he's someone that the DA met with privately to kind of check on him and see how he's doing and um, offer whatever help and reassurances they, they, they can. Uh, they, they had the team psychologist um, address the team before practice today, give, giving players all, all the resources that uh, they, they need or that they could use um, during this you know really difficult time. The uh, A too, he, he's he he was a uh, something else he talked about, and, that, and I'm, I really appreciate him sharing this anecdote. Um, he he had a teammate pass away on the practice field at uh, Texas A and M when, when he was in college, and he talked at length about you know what what that experience was like and how as a player how you respond to that and as a friend and um it, it's a life changing event it, it it really is and it's just been a really you know just a really powerful situation and. You just you just hope more than any, anything that it's going that it's going to have a happy ending and, and that uh, Hamlin's going to be able to you know to, to wake up and be and be with his family again and, and and be in good health. I echo everything you just said. That's a great way to put it. And it's just like even if you did, had never heard of Demar Hamlin as a football fan and you're just watching that Bills Bengals game on Monday night, I think we've all been kind of affected and kind of stuck in a fog since we saw what what happened on national TV. So, I mean, again, I, that's. That's at top of mind. That's kind of where our focus has been. It's Hamlin's uh, life. His health is more important than the week 18 NFL slate. I mean, I think I speak for for both of us when I say that, but we do do a Saints podcast and we're going to kind of get to our normal agenda, talk Saints, John, and then we'll get back to refreshing Twitter and, and hoping for those positive updates, right? So that's where we're at. And well, let me ask you the question again, John, was that a a painful or merciful end to the Saints season for you, right? I mean, they took care of business against the Eagles, at least. I'll, I'll say this about about the Eagles game that you know that was very cathartic to me. <laughs> um, after everything that you know, Eagles fans and some people covering the team have been talking all, all, all year um, to kind of get to rub it in their eye for a little bit. But you know that that, that was fun. Um, you know, seeing Marshawn Lattimore, um, it, <clears throat> it was it was cathartic for him too. This is a guy who missed ten games with an injury that you know is essentially inoperable and very difficult to treat and difficult to recover from. And he has been, been through a lot over the last, uh, you know, two, three months. And for him to be able to, to come back in and make the game winning play there with, with that pick six, uh, that, that was just fantastic, fantastic to see. So, all, you know, look, all the, all the props in the world to Lattimore and the saints for pulling off this win. Uh, we, we had a sad up on Saints Wire. Something like na- like ninety eight percent of uh, the experts and fan blogs from around the web were picking against the Saints in this game. So the, the expectations were low, and you know, and you know, the Saints they, they, they stunned everybody. So shouts out to them for pulling it off, uh, build some positive momentum, and we'll see if it carries over into this Panthers game. And hopefully, they can end the year on a high note. They can end the year on a four game win streak. Uh, and you know, it's like, <laughs> that's not bad. And you know, they could end a, a game, could end a game below 500, John. Right. So let me ask you this, like as a, as a fan of the team, if you put your fan hat on, has the team's improved play and at times like dominant play on defense, especially what we saw last week, has that been enough to like give the fan base some sense of satisfaction entering the off season? Cause it has been rough at times this year. Yes and no, because the expectation is that this is what the defense would look like from the jump. Like it shouldn't have taken, you know, 16, 17 games for them to get to this point. 
and this is what it should have looked like months ago. And I understand that's difficult whenever you're starting secondary. They, they have not taken a single snap together. They have not had, you know, Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus May, Tyron Matthew, um, Paul Simadibo, and, you know, you know, insert slot corner here, <laughs> whoever we like in that role at, after, after they uh, traded CJ, uh, GJ for, for no reason. Um, they've not had the, se- the starting secondary together all year long. So I, I get you know, that maybe they deserve a mulligan and maybe we should have given them more patience. But the issue for me is that nothing the Saints did this year uh, suggested that they were giving themselves patience uh, nor asking for it. You know, you don't trade your first round pick uh, to get another impact player and, and then say, well, we need, hey, we need some patience here. We just kind of hang with us and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be competitive in, in January. Um, you know, you don't shuffle around like $55 million in salary cap resources and then say, well, hang on, we need, we need to be patient here. And, you know, hopefully we'll have it together by the end of the season. To me, there's this kind of a disconnect there. Um, it's good to see the team playing well right now. I just don't know where that the credit for that goes, because on the one hand you could say, well, well, Hey, maybe they're responding to coaching and they're playing their best football now. And, that's where it's coming from. Or, or maybe the other, on the other hand, it's, you know, the, this team has a very talented core of players and they're not going to just roll over and give up and, in, in, you know, in the year with a six or with like five or six wins, they're not going to take this lying down. And, and maybe you give more credit to the players for, for turning it around. And I, I don't know that that's something that they, they've got to answer themselves in the building. As far as what we, we think moving forward, you know, I, I don't think anything could happen this weekend that would, you know, result in massive changes as far as Dennis Allen being dismissed, as far as totally totally overhauling uh, the coaching staff or, you know, starting a fire sale with the roster. I I wouldn't anticipate that. It's to me, it's just a shame that they couldn't, you know, find their footing sooner. Yeah. It's, it's such a great point, John, because there was a, there was a plan, right? There was a plan coming into the season and, and yet finishing a game below 500 and not making the playoffs was not part of the Saints plan and that's part of how they acted in the offseason and part of the plan was to have Jameis Winston leading them as QB1 right and i think you know one of the big storylines coming you know this week after this Eagles game for the Saints is that Andy Dalton's going to continue his role as the starter in week 18 even though the Saints have been eliminated from playoff contention which has many feeling that this spells the end for Jameis Winston since Games with no playoff implications tend to be more about evaluation than anything else. And the Saints don't feel like they need to evaluate Jameis Winston anymore, John. What do you think about that? Yeah, to me, that was kind of the, my, my expectation. Um, whenever they took Jameis Winston off the injury report and they continued to start Andy Dalton, to me, that was, you know, the uh, the canary in the coal mine, I guess. I, I, I can't think of a more flattering metaphor for that um, of you know, this is it for Jameis Winston in New Orleans. Like, like he, he, he's done here and there's not anything that could happen that would get him back into the game and they're, they're ready to move on. And, you know, that's what we're seeing now where, you know, the saints have been eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, the only thing, you know, at stake this weekend is when is, you know, ending the year with a win. And this is an opportunity to evaluate a lot of younger players, guys who are maybe you don't have as much tape on, that you'd like to see more out of. We'll talk about them more in a few minutes. And for them to say that, well, we've seen enough out of Jameis at this point, to me, that that makes it, <laughs> that's about as clear as you could put it, that he's not going to be on this team next year. And he's the only quarterback on, under contract. And I know, 
I, I look, I, I see the comments on the Saints subreddit. I know Taysom Hill is under contract next year. He's not a he's not a QB. Stop just stop thinking of him that way. Um, so it's not going to cost the team very much to move on from Jameis Winston. They'll they'll depending on how they do it, they'll save at least four and a half million dollars, or as much as you know, almost thirteen million dollars by releasing him in, in, in here in the off season. So they're prepared to move on from him and that contract. And you know, I, I'm just really disappointed that this is how it's ended for him. Uh, just having seen how much work he put into this and how much he, effort he put into this opportunity and trying to play through injury and organizing off-season workouts and doing everything that he could to do it the right way and it still doesn't work out, you know, that's just hard to watch anytime that happens. And, you know, I'll, look, I'll be the first to admit that, you know, Jameis Winston is not my ideal quarterback. You know, his style of play is not one that I'm the biggest fan of. And I think that's also true of Dennis Allen and all this. But it still kind of feels like the Saints didn't, may, may have, um, I don't want to say they did him dirty, but it just feels like things didn't quite go according to plan for for anyone involved here. And, you know, a fresh start is probably what's best for everyone involved. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's back next year. But as as, as far from what everyone is saying and, and what their actions are t- telling us, it sure seems like we're in the last days of James Winston's uh, career as a saint. Jameis Winston, he's coming off. He was coming off the the bad knee injury, right? Just to get into this year, then he, he dealt with all the other injuries, the fractured vertebrae, and all that. Uh, it's been a rough year for Jameis Winston, and he just he can't get in a ball game, even in week yeah. eighteen. Even in week eighteen, he can't get in the ball game. So it, it does feel like the Saints are are moving on. Uh, the quarterback sweepstakes uh, this off season not supposed to be all that lucrative, at least in the free agent market. But there is a name that. Uh, you flagged for me, John, that I think is interesting that I want to bring up on the show. Derek Carr. Derek Carr. He's at least a guy that Dennis Allen was infatuated with back when Carr was coming out of Fresno State, right? So Derek Carr, uh, clearly he's out uh, in Vegas because Vegas would rather start Jared Stidham than Derek Carr at this point, which tells you all (laughs) you need to know. Uh, Right. So Derek Carr, could he be, you know, what what do you think about his situation with the Raiders? Uh, I guess they're going to be looking to to trade him? Could they cut him? How could he find his way to the Saints? And would you want him as quarterback of the Saints? Yeah, I, th- I think he's a very, a very realistic option for the Saints because, you know, the Raiders are looking to move him. The Saints are going to be looking for a new QB. And it, uh, man, it, it, to me, it just seems like a natural fit. Now, that's not to say I'm endorsing it or that I'm condoning it uh, because, you know, Having watched some of Derek Carr's games the last few years, I, I don't see a, a quarterback as a better option than Andy Dalton right now. Uh, and for him to have a contract that's you know ten times uh, of what Andy Dalton is earning, like to me that just doesn't seem like a good fit. And I, I don't know, I'm just I'm just not super high on that move. I I, I don't know that I um are I don't know that I'm a bit, I'm a big a big fan of it. But I can see the logic behind it. I can see why the Saints would, you know, talk themselves into this. Now, as far as, you know, the mechanics of it that, that are involved here, it's not as simple as, um, you know, the Saints and the Raiders agree to, to a trade in, 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 a few, in a few weeks. And that's, that's the end of it. Uh, because the way that Carr's contract is written out, <clears throat> the Raiders can cut him uh, before February 15th. And they'll only take on like five and a half million dollars in a dead money. And that 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 is a pittance for what what NFL teams uh, work with these days. Like like the Saints themselves, um, are had like forty forty four million dollars in, in dead money this year. So that's one option for them. If they wait until after February fifteenth, 
then they guarantee him more than $40 million over the next two seasons. And that is substantial for one player. And the only reason the Raiders would do that is if they knew that they could trade Carr when, when the new league year begins in, in, in here in March and that uh, it, it would be worth their while, essentially, to kind of, to kind of, to kind of um, handcuff themselves to that contract for a few more weeks until they can move off of it. So there, there's very much a possibility where, you know, here, once the season is over, they start calling around, shopping car around, trying to find a trade partner like the Saints, and they don't get any offers they like. At which point they say, okay, fine, we'll, we'll cut him uh, before these uh, guarantees trigger in his contract on the 15th of February, and he can just sign somewhere else because we're not going to be able to get a good draft pick for him. That's very possible, and I would much prefer the Saints be involved in that situation. Because if you can sign Carr straight up, to me, you not only don't have to give up any draft assets, which the Saints don't have very many of right now, um, certainly not none to be throwing around for a mediocre quarterback, uh, but then, too, you can also sign him at a at market value as opposed to the contract that he, he currently is uh, lined up for. So that would be my preference here. I don't know that that's going to happen because there's going to be other teams besides New Orleans who are looking for a quarterback. You know, gosh, y'all uh, say a prayer for me before I say this, but it may be the Saints and, and, the, and, the, and the Jets are, are in a bidding war for Derek Carr in a few weeks. And that is very grim. <laughs> and... uh I, I can absolutely see that uh, taking shape and uh, maybe that it forces New Orleans to eat, pay more than they would like for, for, for this guy. And, I, and I'm still, you know, anxious about that because I don't think that he is, you know, a top 12, top 15 QB in this league uh, consistently. With Derek Carr, it's not like a week to week thing with him. It's, it feels like a season to season thing, John. Either he has it that season yeah. or he doesn't. You know, he either plays really good football or he just is terrible. And it's been a bad year for Derek Carr. Uh, obviously. So yeah, it's, it's just really fascinating. Will the, will the saints retain Jameis Winston? Will they talk to Andy Dalton in the off season? Will they go after a Derek Carr or a Jimmy Garoppolo will, or will they try to draft a quarterback? Uh, you know, I know saints fans and, and I think John, you're, you're rooting for this as well. I mean, the saints are, could still pick pretty early in that second round, right? Like probably 40 mid forties we're looking at. Uh, you could help me with the math there, but maybe a guy like Hendon hooker of the, of the, Tennessee Volunteers is available coming off a knee injury. Maybe he slips in the draft a little bit and the Saints could nab him in the second round and and get get a bridge quarterback to until you can get to him until he's healthy and ready to go. So there's a lot of different ways the Saints can uh can tackle this quarterback position. But at the end of the day, again, Andy Dalton resuming his role as the starter in week 18. It is uh it is telling about where they're at right now, especially with Jameis. Uh what's kind of your take on some other guys. I know you had an article on Saints Wire this week about other guys that you're actually watching here in week 18 that fans should be watching because again, when no impl- when there's no playoff implications, I'm sorry, it's more about evaluation, right? So the Saints are going to have young guys out there that they're going to be watching and evaluating for next year and you wrote about that. Yeah, yeah, we'll have that coming out here soon. Um these are players who are a bit further down the depth chart who I'm, I'm wanting to see what they can do here here with this opportunity. And it's guys like uh, like running back Eno Benjamin is a good example. He was playing behind David Johnson for some reason for a few weeks. Um, I, I, to me, he's a much more electric player. He, he's got much more potential um, as a I think this is his second year in the NFL, second or third. Um, he's bounced around the league a little bit. Obviously, there's reasons for that. Um, but he's someone who could. Um, 
who, who, you know, maybe he shows you something and maybe he can be part of the solution. And, you know, that's someone that maybe, maybe we can get excited for here, here during the off season. So, you know, Benjamin is one of them. Um, Rashid Shahid just seems to make a new, make a big play every week. It seems, seems like that's what he does. Another one, uh, uh, Alante Taylor. We didn't, we didn't see him at all. Um, which was a little odd against the Eagles with Marshawn Lattimore coming back and, and the Saints still like Boston Adebo better than him. Adebo is not going to play this week due to a hamstring injury. He, he told uh, local media that on Wednesday. So Taylor is going to get that start in his place, um, most likely ahead of, of Bradley Roby. So this is a big, a big opportunity for Taylor to show that, hey, he, he needs to be in the starting lineup next year. Like he doesn't need to be getting rotated in and out or cross-training at, you know, safety or in the slot or what, whatever. Like he needs to be a starter at, at, a, at a definite position. And this is a big opportunity for him. So that, that, those are just a couple guys that I'm, I'm looking out for. I, w- I want to see them play well. Um, Calvin Throckmorton is another one. The, the, the Saints offensive line is in a pretty unstable position right now. Uh, they're down both starting guards. Um, Ryan Ramchek has been banged up. James Hurst has been banged up. Eric McCoy missed, missed a month on, on IR. Uh, Throckmorton needs to show that not only can he start at, you know, one of those guard spots, but he can play at a high level and that he, he should be here. He should be back next year because he's a free agent in the spring and he needs to prove that he can be part of the solution. And maybe he can be someone who could, you know, potentially replace Andrews Pete at left guard in, in a few months uh, because, because Pete has a pretty big contract and Pete's been dealing with a lot of injuries for a long time. So this is an opportunity for him to to assert himself along with those other young, younger players that we talked about. So ho- hopefully these guys can make the most of this opportunity. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, we got one game left against the Panthers. Saints are at home. They're favored in this ball game, uh, John. And after this ball game, we'll officially be on to the offseason. We'll be officially looking forward to 2023. And I think we'll be officially on Sean Payton watch. Uh, now, Sean is always he's always talking. He's always saying something of note. Uh, he's popping up wherever you could find him. You, you turn on the TV, you're, you're going to find uh, Sean Payton. Now he's doing the Colin Cowherd show pretty much regularly, right? Uh, <coughs> talking about how he'd fix Russell Wilson, which is kind of funny. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, the Broncos are an interesting team. I think they've kind of, are, are they now leading the sweepstakes for Sean Payton? Because we, we know they're in the market for a new head coach. They fired Nathaniel Hackett. Right before Christmas, uh, I think we well right after Christmas, I should say, it was that Christmas Day game, right against the uh, Rams. That was the final straw for Nathaniel Hackett. And I will say, John, watching that one on national TV on Christmas Day, when I saw the the goatee on Nathaniel Hackett, I was worried for him. I said, "Ooh, that looks like a man who is uh, he's now hit a midlife crisis of some kind, trying to figure out how to be a head coach." So the goatee definitely spelled the end for Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, now they they're keeping the GM there, George Payton. And he's probably lucky to still have his job after hiring Nathaniel Hackett and, you know, selling the farm for Russell Wilson in a sense. Uh, But they're keeping George Payton along. But George Payton, is he really going to want to hire another Nathaniel Hackett type who, you know, maybe in front of a whiteboard can draw up a bunch of plays and, and, you know, sell it to you and make you really believe in him? But you're not really sure because he's never been a head coach before. Or is he going to want a guy like Sean Payton or Jim Harbaugh? Or, you know, even like a Frank Reich or something, or even Dan Quinn, who was a finalist for them last year. They want that kind of guy. And I think just Sean Payton is like the perfect coach for them. He kind of fits what they want, their agenda. Uh, Now, the reports are that the Saints want a first round pick. The Broncos do have one, even though they traded their pick for Russell Wilson to Seattle. 
they have the first round pick of the 49ers this year, so they have some draft capital. They got the richest ownership group in the in the league, and if, if Sean Payton wants to get paid, I think this ownership group would be able to pay him. So I think the Broncos are, have they emerged as a front runner in the Sean Payton sweepstakes, in your opinion? Well, they're, they're certainly making the most noise out of out of all the teams that could be in, in the hunt for Sean Payton here, as far as, you know, these reports that are going around that, that, that they're leaking to the media and, and trying to drum up some attention here. Um, they're, they're certainly have more buzz going on with, with the Broncos and these other teams that have been, that have been speculated to be linked to Sean Payton. As far as, you know, um, Payton is on the Fox NFL Sunday pregame show, ha- having his, uh, his, his uh, good buddy, Jay Glazer, um, looking for him in the studio saying, Hey, Sean, they're going to back up the Brinks truck for you. <laughs> like, like, like uh, making it very explicit here that they that that Sean Payton is on their radar that he's someone they view as um, who would be a you know a big swing for that organization. Um, but I think that makes sense. Uh, you know, George Payton has talked about wanting someone who's a little more <clears throat> a little better established, who's a little more experienced, um, who, who can build a program, and that's why they're looking at guys like Sean Payton and like Jim Harbaugh and like Dan Quinn, who I know you know. Quinn is not thought of as highly as those two are, but you know, he lasted for a long time in Atlanta and he did build a program there and they got to a, a Super Bowl and they made some noise and he, thankfully it didn't work out. And instead they, they choked in, in the, in the biggest uh, stage imaginable um, by blowing a 28 to three lead in, in the, in the second half to, to the Patriots a couple of years ago. That's not talked about often enough. Uh, <laughs> I love but, it. Keep talking, you know, please Quinn keep is, talking about it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Julian Edelman, a legend. So these are the kind of guys they're looking for. They they want they want coaches who have built and managed programs for multiple years, uh, have had long runs of, of success in the NFL. And to me, that makes a lot of sense. Like that that that's where I would be looking rather than you know going with another retread who didn't work out somewhere or who didn't win a lot of games with the Raiders ten years ago or whatever it may be. Like to to me, that's where you should be looking. And so. I, it, it makes a lot of sense for Sean Payton to be on their radar and it would take a lot to get him because it's going to take a lot of money to get him out of retirement or out of hiatus or whatever we want to call this. And it's also going to take a lot of compensation with the saints. And, you know, I know there, there's a misconception among saints fans that, that the Broncos don't have a first round pick or they don't have enough picks to trade for Sean Payton. And that's just not true. Like like you said, they had the 49ers pick. They traded their pass rusher. The Broncos traded pass rusher Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins, who owned the 49ers' uh, first-round pick this year, and sent it to Denver. So the Broncos are going to have the 49ers' first-round pick, as you laid out er- earlier. So the, they, they can match um, nearly any uh, trade offer that another team could put on the board. And to me, that's really interesting because then that's – that's another team that you can play against somebody else. So hypothetically here, let's say that there's two teams in the hunt for uh, Sean Payton. Let's say that it's, you know, hypothetically it's the Broncos and the Cardinals. And those make your bet. Those are the two that he's, that he's uh, willing to, to go to. And they're the two putting offers uh, on the board or on the table for New Orleans. And so, Cardinals, they're going to have a top five pick probably, or at least definitely a top eight pick, I believe. And the, the Niners pick coming from the Broncos, that's going to be significantly less valuable because it's going to be closer to the end of, of the first round, uh, probably somewhere in like the 26, 29 range. We'll, we'll see how far uh, the fight in Brock Purdy's can go in the playoffs. Um, 
But the opportunity there is you can say, okay, let's say Mickey Loomis is on the phone with George Payton and he can say, okay, we'll take that first rounder, but you need to put other assets on the table that are going to make it equal to what the value of, let's say the fourth overall pick from Arizona would be to us. And that could be potentially multiple second and third round picks. And I think that that would benefit the saints a lot more because they need help at a lot of different positions right now. They can't say that, well, we're just, we're, we're, we're just one player away because we learned this year that was not the case when they made that trade to get to get another first rounder uh, this past season, thinking that they were just one player away. That's not where they are. That's not the mentality they need to have. They need to load up on picks, get get as many of these uh, early rounders as they can, and you know go go to work in the draft. And to me, that this uh, situation with the Broncos that might be their best opportunity because everything that we're seeing, all these reports, is that it it may. <coughs> It may end up being, you know, just a single first rounder straight up for Sean Payton, which is going to disappoint a lot of fans who are expecting like a John Gruden style, two first rounders, two second rounders, eight million in cash. Like that is an unrealistic expectation uh, among a large part of, of the uh, the Saints fan base. And so it, it's good. Kind of bridging that gap is going to be difficult. So if, if, if your goal is to get multiple draft picks, having the Broncos involved is probably the best bet. I, I don't think the Broncos would be afraid to part with draft picks, John. I don't not because oh. I think they do reset. Now. They, <laughs> they don't have their first and second, you know, their first and second round pick this season, which are going to be pretty high picks. Uh, they don't have those picks, but I think they have all their picks for 2024, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So, mm-hmm. yep. so why not make the trades this year, right? Trade some draft picks, get Sean Payton, which again, this is a new ownership group. They want to make a splash. They got lots of money. This is these are the Walmart guys, right, John? They they they're like the <laughs> the main guys, like the CEO of Walmart or something. They got the Walmart money. They got lot. They got the Brinks truck. So Glazer's not. He's not lying when he says that. There's plenty of money to give yeah. Sean Payton. Yeah, it could be several Brinks trucks. I yeah, think. there you yeah. go. They got it all, man. They got it all. And if you're gonna flex as the the richest ownership group in football, you might as well flex on the head coach and make a splash and bring in Sean Payton because the one thing the Broncos need is continuity. They need to stop the revolving door of head coaches and coordinators and just like an outside hires. You know what I mean? They just got to stop that. And they just got to get like one quarterback, one coach, promote from within. You know, as you were saying, you know, you want to promote from within. You don't want to do the outside hire every other year for your coordinators. It's just like a, it's a never ending thing. You're never going to get anywhere. So the Broncos need that. Sean Payton would bring that to them immediately. He'd bring them some star power. He'd bring them some stability. And they have the money, they have the draft capital, so it's going to be interesting to watch how that plays out with the Broncos. Uh, it, we, we can kind of dive in on this even more uh, next week when we start really looking ahead to 2023 after the season. But we do have a game, John, ahead of us. I mean, I don't know, like who would bet this game, right? Who would who would approach the Week 18 <laughs> with a, from a betting some perspective? Real sickos, man. Yeah, so, it, it is some real uh, sicko uh, <laughs> hours here. How do you? It's like. Give me this. Like the Saints are three and a half point favorites, as I said, at home against the Panthers. Like, how do you see this game playing out? Is it going to feel like kind of a preseason type of field? Do you think both teams are going to try to win? Like, what's your gut on how this game would kind of play out? So it's funny because, you know, I want to say that, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be sloppy. It's going to have a lot of penalties and neither team is going to score a lot of points. But, you know, both of these teams have been trending in the right direction over the last month. You know, uh, the Panthers, they are fighting tooth and nail for Steve Wilkes. 
and they're the, the players are doing everything they can to get to win for him and to, to get to, to keep him around as the full-time head coach after he was named the interim and he's already won more games than uh what's his name did that rule yeah <laughs> that rule yeah yeah uh i mean they, they, they've been very successful with steve wilkes and they're fighting hard for him and they're not going to you know tank this game for a draft pick like that locker room has a lot on the line here. They they have a lot of um, emotional investment in, in in this game, and so they're they're going to they're going to compete hard. And the Saints are also going to be competing here. Uh, you know, they're not going to help themselves with, with draft positioning with, with a loss uh, because of that first rounder going to Philly. So they want to win too. You know, they want to say, hey, we ended the year with a four win with a, a four game winning streak, and we. Are you know we're, we're, we went on a tear and we've got momentum and and we've got all the just building up all of this goodwill, yeah you know but both teams are going to be competitive. Uh, both teams have you know defenses that have played really well recently. So the one thing that kind of gives me gives me pause here is Sam Darnold because we know without a doubt that he is not it and that he is not him and that he is not a you know someone who should be starting in the NFL anymore. Like that's just not where he is at this point in his career. And he's actively holding that team back. But unfortunately for them, he he's also probably their best option at QB right now. So I could totally see him. Um, dude, I could see it going down exactly the way it did in Philly with Marshawn Lattimore scoring a pick six to, to, to win the game. <laughs> like, like that is exactly something that Darnold does. Uh, he fumbled, I think twice inside Bucks territory last week. So or inside his own territory to set up Bucks uh, scores, as I recall. So, yeah. So I, I think that both teams are going to fight hard. Both teams are going to are going to compete hard. And I just don't have any faith that Sam Darnold is going to win this game. So I think it's going to be close. I think the Saints win it, um, and it's going to set up a really interesting offseason for both franchises. Yeah, you know the Saints defense has been very hot, and you know just looking through their recent games, I mean, yeah, they lost to the 49ers. They only gave up 13 points. They lost to the Bucs. They only gave up 17. Uh, the last three wins that they've had, Falcons, Browns, Eagles, 18-10-10. They're just not giving up points on defense right now, John. They, they've, they, they're they playing really good football on defense, and they're, they, they've had their moments on offense, but it, you know, it just hasn't been consistent enough. But yeah, I think if they're playing their guys, I'd expect the Saints defense to have their way with the Panthers at home, right? So, I mean, if you are doing the degenerate week 18 bet, uh, I would probably go Saints on this one. I, I, <laughs> I like the way their defense is playing. So because we do make a prediction each week, I think that's where my money would go. I'd, I'd give away the points. I'd go with the hot defense, and that is the Saints, and pick them to win a fourth street, straight game to uh, end the season, John, and then we can, we can feel really, really good and toasty heading into the offseason. Yeah, I think that's the ideal outcome here. So ho- hopefully they pull off the win and, and uh, ha- have some have some positivity to, to look on and talk about it here in the months ahead. And uh, hey, like we said earlier, next Monday, that, that that's when it starts. The offseason will be here before we know it. And uh, we're, we're going to hit the ground running. Absolutely. It's going to be a, a fascinating offseason as it always is with the Saints. But there's going to be a lot of moving parts. We'll be here for it. We'll start breaking it all down on Monday. And again, now I guess go back to Twitter and start refreshing and hoping that, you know, DeMar Hamlin and that situation continues to uh, trend in a positive direction. And we can just get back, John, to like normal watching football, enjoying football again type of deal. Right. Absolutely. Because it's, it's been, it's been a tough week. Again, it's, it's kind of, kind of felt like I've, I've been stuck in a fog and I just keep watching on TV and in Twitter, trying to get some positivity and feel like it's, it's okay to like 
move on and get excited about football because right now, like week 18, it's there is like a fog hanging over it. So just just hoping for that good news. Definitely. Hopefully we'll get we'll get some clarity there and hopefully it'll continue to trend in the right direction. All right. That's John Sigler. Check him out on the Saints Wire if you could. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us on the pod this week. We'll be back to talk 2023 offseason next week. Looking forward to that. We'll catch you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.